0: And welcome to the fourth episode of our Out With Burnout monthly podcast. I am Catherine rivera poljarek and I am here with Bill Abraham. We are both co-directors of the Department of Pediatrics Office of Faculty Development and your podcast hosts today. Hello, Phil. Hey, Catherine.
1: And hello to everyone at home, our virtual audience. Um, as Catherine mentioned, this is our fourth in a series of 10 episodes uh, and we review topics related to well-being and where we discuss different skills our strategies to improve our personal wellness. So, what topics have we discussed so far? Can you remind me?
0: Yeah, we've, we've had we've talked about creating a wellness vision. Yep. We talked about self leadership, and we talked about self compassion. If you have not listened to those episodes, go check them out. Maybe you learn something, or maybe it'll prompt some pause and reflection.
1: Yeah, and feel free to send comments and let us know your thoughts. And if you've been with us before, you know that we like to start with a feel-good story every time. So, Catherine, this time, tell me something good.
0: Yes, today, it's all about work, actually. You know, I, I, I came home from vacation. I feel like I've been on vacation for a month, but um, it's been busy, and I'm on in the inpatient service, and I have had to come here to record this, and... Um, did a lot of things plus give a lecture that I forgot I agreed to do, and um, and all these things. I this morning I was stressing out and I'm like it's not gonna happen. I'm going to be a mess. But you know what? I just took a deep breath and used my. Um, wellness skills and said we're going to get this done I was positive with the fellow and we were able to get everything done and yeah. I, I came here and it, it it was great i I don't feel like I have anything critical pending
1: that's awesome yeah that's always a good feeling when you just leave knowing that all the ch- boxes have been checked um, yeah you know recently we were away on vacation as well um, and there was a moment in the hotel room where all three kids all under five. sitting down playing with each other and not screaming and you know it lasted a little while which was kind of nice um until one of my twins you know accidentally tripped and then began to cry but then the most magical thing happened where my oldest like came up to him and asked if he was okay and then his two-year-old twin brother just came in and gave him a hug and my wife and I looked at each other and we're like so we're not raising sociopaths which is excellent (laughs) And it felt it felt good, you know. We it, it, it felt a little bit validated, and uh, and that was that was a good thing to see.
0: I see those 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 lifeless moments are so critical. Like even little things are so important as a parent. Yeah. It makes you feel like not everything you do is uh, is is bad parenting. <laughs> well, um, now before we start reviewing our wellness domain for today, let's pause for a brief meditation. So. Let's begin by getting in a comfortable position wherever you are. Relax your body. When you're ready, close your eyes. And we're going to bring awareness to our breath. Breathe in. Take a deep, slow breath. And breathe out. Another breathe in. Deep, slow breath. Breathe out. Focus on your breath and clear your mind. Keep breathing deep and breathe it out. Focus um, on your body. Look at, think about any part of your body that may be stressed or any muscles contracted and just relax Make your body heavy. Whatever position you're in, just relax, loosen up. Now go back to focusing on clearing your mind and focus on the negative thoughts that may be circling around, those negative emotions going through your mind right now. Look at them, name them, and cast them away. Watch them go away. They're not invited or welcome here anymore. Now focus on your positive emotion. Think about positive emotions that you feel you felt today, good moments, things that brought you joy. Think about perhaps positive emotions at times where you accomplished something, something that mattered when you perhaps have made a difference. Name those emotions. Keep them in mind at this time. Feel them. Enjoy them. Enjoy them and feel them all over you like warm sunlight shining on you. Breathe them in and imagine that you're breathing in all those positive emotions and they're taking center in your heart. They're surrounding you. Surround yourself in that feeling. And when you are ready, open your eyes and we should be ready to have this discussion with all those emotions inside us. How do you feel?
1: That feels good, Catherine. Thanks. I love when you do that. It just makes me completely, you know, step back a little bit and just help me relax in the moment and just focus on things that I should be focusing on uh, at the time. And it's very, uh, it's, it's purposeful. Thank you for that. Um, You're welcome. So today, you know, we are focusing on making meaning and finding purpose. And according to the Oxford English Dictionary, uh, this the meaning means the significance, purpose, underlying truth of something. And the purpose is that which a person sets out to do or attain. An object in view, a determined attention or aim. So both meaning and purpose.
0: But yeah, like that quest to matter and do something that will be significant. Those maybe life goals that motivate you?
1: Yeah. And finding purpose is a common rudimentary human necessity. And there's a quote from Mark Twain that goes, the two most important days in life are the day you were born And the day you find out
0: why. I love that. I love that quote. (laughs) Your why. I hear that everywhere at the gym and everywhere you go. Find out and define your why. And there are a lot of different dimensions to finding purpose and meaning Um, within somebody's life. It may be related to your spirituality. You may find meaning in relationships with friends, your family, perhaps your contributions to your community, or maybe a movement that you truly believe in and then you want to support It can even be political, it can be religious and it can be vocational or strongly attached to your job. It can even change as you walk through life. Meaning and purpose can walk different paths and 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 look different at different stages.
1: Yeah and for healthcare providers like us it can be strongly connected to what we do for our patients. Mm -hmm. You know most of us went into medicine to help people heal and that process also gives us a sense of fulfillment and when there are disruptions to that process, there's risk of losing meaning to that sense of purpose.
0: Yeah, there, there's an article that was published over 20 years ago by the AAMC that I think it's still applicable today. It, it's titled Academic Medicine and the Search for Meaning and Purpose. This is written by Dr. Wiley Silva. He was a chair of surgery, which is interesting, right? Sometimes we don't think a surgeons that's the one thinking about meaning and finding purpose. but. He was the chair. I'm being totally biased. Any surgeon that's listening, um, I, I am a full fan. <laughs> um, but um, he was the chair of surgery and surgeon in chief at Hershey Medical Center at that time. He writes, and I quote, Many physicians have become disenchanted with their ability to serve as advocates for um, and provide care to their patients. Changes in the structure of healthcare system have strained physician-patient relationships and led to cynicism and disillusionment. And if you read that article, it, it's very long and it, it's it's enlightening to read and, and applicable. It's been 20 years and I think still applicable today. He also provides a list of resources, uh, sorry, a list of sources of dissatisfaction and frustration in the workplace. So a few examples, like... Um, Um, The factors that that contribute to unpleasant workplace environment are like people that feel overworked, underpaid, like there's a high turnover, poor staff retention, lack of appreciation, lack of collegiality and teamwork, lack of information, tools, resources, limited time for maybe research and teaching or things that you want to do, opportunities for professional development. What other factors do you feel contribute to a um, missing sense of purpose?
1: Yeah, um, so all this can lead to a missing sense of purpose, so that looks like less trust and confidence in leadership, loss of meaning and direction, and sometimes a lack of commitment to a cause beyond oneself. This may also lead to feeling of not making a difference or a contribution, and you feel like there's less reward or enjoyment, and there's difficulty in putting values to work. You know any one of us can find ourselves relating to some of these are uh, all of them at the same time um, sometimes just limited to the workplace other times at home and hopefully not for both but these along with the loss of personal connections and poor self-care can really lead to feeling depleted bitter disillusioned and sometimes hopeless
0: yeah i i can i can i can certainly identify with some of those times where you feel like that like you know Um, maybe examples are like a a full busy clinic day when you've when you feel like you cleared your epic inbox and and show up to clinic and all of a sudden uh, where are these those 70 results Uh, this 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 then and all of a sudden you have a full clinic and tons of things to do and you're frustrated you feel like you're um, attached to the medical record and don't have time to do the things that you care about whether that's even related to patient care or other things that, that are important to you um, in academic medicine during your day. Um, and you may ask yourself, how can you continue to search for meaning and purpose during ominous, time, ominous times? Especially, you know, we, we think about the pandemic and mm-hmm. during that time where we had, everybody had different reasons to question um, the value of their work at that time. Um and even, you know, the feelings of isolation and felt that, you know, that that lack of connection. So this book, uh, Man's Search for Meaning, um, in his book, uh, Victor Frankl, Victor Frankl was um, somebody that I, I, I love to read uh, uh, his books. He introduces the idea that life can have meaning in the most dire circumstances and His follow-up book, The Will to Meaning, um, he talks about the concept that motivation comes from finding that meaning. So finding that meaning, even in the worst circumstances you can imagine, and then from there, feeling like if you find that meaning, then you might be motivated to continue and go on.
1: Yeah, and his background really helped him uh, create this book that was really very inspiring. Um, he's an Austrian psychiatrist and a Holocaust survivor. And he founded this theory or this um, teaching called uh, logotherapy, which we lightly touched during our coaching training. And in it, he talks about finding meaning through navigating through the concepts of freedom of will, will to meaning, and meaning of life. He taught that suffering is part of life and that freedom of will. Involves how we choose to respond to some circumstances and how we can find meaning even those in the worst times
0: Yeah, and um, even though here we're talking about suffering um, I mean, I hope nobody's suffering at work Jeez. I mean, there are times that we meet, there may be suffering, but on a day-to-day basis, we can apply some of these uh, principles in our day um, Even at times where maybe we're not having a good time because of for whatever reason And also in the article mentioned previously um, from Dr. Soba, he also lists on how to begin to explore making meaning and finding purpose, both in a personal, but not just in a personal, but in a professional environment. And um, some things that he talks about in terms of personal leadership, he talks about trying to question, asking yourselves a few questions, like question yourself. Who am I? Why am I alive? Um, What is my purpose and calling and is there meaning in my work? What is the meaning in my work? Where am I today? Like self, do a self-assessment and reflection and, and try to make yourself aware of where is it that you are and where you want to be. Um, what are your goals? What's your future? And how you get there and you know, write a list of the education you need, the experiences you need, what values, morals, or ethical standards you hold high and um, and then start a journey of self-development and those things help you with personal leadership what about organizational leadership
1: yeah you know all those can then lead into how how you would then want to lead the organization that you're currently in whether it's through a small group that you're you know that you're a part of or a larger department or school of medicine that you're in but in terms of organizational leadership we think about questions such as who are we or why do we exist and this is when you relate to the uh, organizational mission and the purpose. Um, we also talk about why are we, you know, where are we today? There's uh, assessments that need to be done, and you look at your environmental analysis. Then you think about if the next couple of years where do you want to go? Again, sort of reattaching yourself to the vision and the goals and objectives you have with your organization. And how do we get there? And this is where we talk about your organizational strategy. And all this, is so dependent on not only your personal leadership styles and your mission and your purpose, but those of, the, of those around us. So to explore this topic a little more in depth today, we've invited Dr. David Hunstead to join us. Dr. Hunstead is a professor of pediatrics and infectious disease, a professor of molecular biology and the Arnold W. Strauss and endowed professor for mentoring, as well as the co-scientific director of the Children's Discovery Institute. Welcome, Dave. Welcome. Thanks. It's great to be here with you guys today. Thanks for joining us. So can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and what is your focus at work and what do you do outside of work?
2: Uh, Sure. So I've been here uh, at this institution (coughs) for uh, a crazy number, 32 years. Oh my gosh. Uh, And so here at work, currently I have responsibilities in the research arena and also the clinical arena and administration. Um, in the laboratory, we work on gram-negative bacterial pathogenesis, so essentially I give UTIs to mice. <laughs> uh, and in the clinical realm, um, you know, uh, really enjoy taking care of patients and talking about patients with uh, all of my colleagues. It's a pretty big group. The infectious disease group is 20 faculty, five fellows, a couple of NPs, and we're doing lots of new things clinically. Um, so there's a lot to work on and think about and, and plan in, in my arena right now. And then outside of work, um, you know, i uh, married with two daughters who are in college, and I like to run and hike trails. Um, there's fortunately lots of green space and, and trails to hit um, in the St. Louis area, especially out by where I live. Uh, and I watch sports, and we like to go to concerts and go to restaurants and try new, new food,
0: I like that too. I like to try new food. New restaurants are are opening everywhere. So that's fun to do. Yes. And I follow Dr. Hunstad on Facebook. So I do know that everything he just said is true. You have lots of little adventures. So talking about that, as you know, this is a wellness podcast. So we always ask our guests, what does wellness mean to you personally? Like what does wellness look like to you? When you think about your personal wellness, what does that mean?
2: Yeah, I think... Um, I'm not an expert in this general area or a philosopher or, or something, but I think your the way your question's worded really has an important lesson in it, which is that wellness can mean very different things to different people. And one of the things that you know is a take home point, I guess, is is that we have to understand what it means for you and and I can't possibly, tell you or Phil what it means to to each of you. So so to me, I think um, people think about physical health, which is obviously very important, and mental health as part of wellness. And that's gotten an increased focus in recent years with the pandemic and, and other things. And I think those things are important. There's lots of components under there, I think, to unpack. But to me, one of the more important facets is resiliency. So whether you're talking about work or life, you know, no life is going to unfold in front of you in a perfect way. No job is going to be perfect uh, and happy every minute. It's going to be bumpy. There's going to be some things thrown at you. And it's it's really I think long term wellness is about how you respond to those things. Can you be on the roller coaster uh, and, you know, get through the bumpy parts because, you know, there's better parts coming
1: yeah, you know, so you've been here for 32 years, and with that, you've probably faced or at least encountered different um, circumstances, pandemic being the most recent, um, but just the challenges in your day to day life from different staffing issues or from um, department or divisional um, hurdles that you may have come across. So, all that, you've, you've seen a lot, at least, and you've been tried a lot, both personally and and as well as um, uh, both looking into yourself and looking into how you are part of this organization you've been tried in a way that I haven't, I've only been here for 10 years and and others who who are listening to this podcast probably less than I have so following today's theme of making meaning and finding purpose and looking back on your experiences here at at WashU are there certain things that stick out and how it of brings meaning to your life both here in the organization or even if it you know comes home with you
2: yeah I think um maybe we'll talk about work you know the actual work stuff in a minute but but in life and in life in St. Louis and life being uh you know a WashU faculty member over this many years um you know it goes through stages and I think right now what I'm appreciating you know I think early on when the for example for me when the kids were smaller you know aspects of life like um, how great a city this happens to be for little kids and um, good school districts and things like that were things that were really um, important things for us to pay attention to and now you know I think the most fun part of non-work life to me is uh, watching my two college-age daughters figure out what they want to do with their lives and how they're going to navigate you know, this world that we're in, which is you know, a, little, a little crazy sometimes, a little more rapidly changing, I think, now than it was when, when we were kids. And, and I'll talk about this more later maybe, but, but just thinking about you know, what I've been doing in terms of work roles for the last period of time and, and what I want to do next.
0: I, I like what you said, like that finding meaning in relationships. I think that's important, the relationship that you have with your kids and your daughters and um, how that um, brings joy to your life. Like, you know, like now they're, they're getting ready to live their own lives and do other things, perhaps maybe different than what you do. I hope I, I always say I hope my kids do something different.
2: <laughs> yeah, We, we never um, my wife and I are both in healthcare, and we never sort of directed the kids that way or told them they had to do this, that, or the other thing. We essentially told them there were two guidelines. One is you have to love what you ultimately do. And two, you have to make enough money to be off the payroll and have a roof over your head and eat. Uh, And really, that's it. So so yeah, it's fun to watch them figure that out and to help advise and
1: guide them without pushing them toward any particular thing. Yeah, I'm sure you've... Uh, at least approach the second part of your goals uh, in terms of you being able to cover you know the roof over your head but in terms of the first thing you said about bringing purpose to your life uh, or finding something that you love to do how did that look to you yeah I think early on for me I don't remember
2: when I thought first about being a physician but it was early in my childhood I think and that, you know, when you are early in training and things, that's the thing that drives you. You don't have a full view, I don't think, of all the things you can do in medicine considered broadly in academic medicine, but you know that you're training and learning how to take care of patients and you know you can get good at that. So that's what you start with and that still is a source of joy in the work, right? I don't do as much clinical time as I used to do, but... When I do, I love it. Uh, you know, every kid is uh, fun to go see. Every family is great to interact with. So, so I think there's a lot of joy in that. I will say, you know, no offense, Catherine, to the surgeons you were talking to earlier or anyone who does adult medicine. But pediatrics is particularly um, fulfilling, I think, because kids are inherently resilient and they get better from things Uh, that they come into the hospital with. That's particularly true of of infectious diseases. We can actually make many of those kids better. And if at the end of an interaction over a day or a month or months with a family, if I can say to them, go have a great life. And if all goes well, you'll never see me again. That's that's a great result.
0: So um, going back to the kind of like your work-related finding purpose at work journey, um so you you've touched uh, on that and talked about you know there are times that that you know things get thrown out of you things are different How, what what has that journey looked like for you over all the time that you've been around and 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 you know like going up the the scales like getting you know on each step of the promotion and I, I you know you have a lot of titles attached to you so um <laughs> um so what has that looked like to you so you know each step like when you were younger and somewhere mid-career and now a full professor and division director and director of children's discovery and all that other stuff um how well have you encountered things that are surprising have you shift ways um has anything that you've done been guided by your quest for finding purpose
2: yeah I I think it has so So as I said at the top, you know, I do have a research lab as well, which I have to be honest, I wasn't 100 percent confident at the time I was entering that arena uh, as a fellow that I could, quote, make it. But my mentors had confidence in me that I could make it um, in that arena. So so here I am still doing that, although I wasn't, you know, earlier in life confident that that would be a major component of what I what I did long term. And I think what I've done administratively is take the philosophy of doing different things, taking on different roles or working in different programs or with different groups of people for relatively finite periods of time um, and you know, going and making an impact in a certain sphere. Let's take the division, right? So I've been the division chief for eight years. Uh, When I took over, we had 12 faculty. Now we have 20. We are doing lots more clinical things. We have now um, two parallel consult services at at Children's and and one at a community hospital that's full-time now. Um, We're doing way more research in the group um, than we used to do. And at some point, I will hand that off, right, because I have done it for a period of time. I've accomplished some things and it's time to not only do something different for myself, but also allow someone else to have the opportunity that I had to shape a program like that, you know, the way that they would want in the in the next generation. So I think one of the things I've done is, is try to take on roles that I can accomplish something in a number of years um, and then potentially move on. Um, and for me, that keeps it very interesting and engaging. And every day is different, and you're you're not feeling stuck. You're not feeling like it's monotonous. You're not feeling like I'm doing the exact same thing for 30 years or whatever that might be.
0: I like that you're talking about finding purpose for the kind of like the greater good, right? For your division and the things that you want to accomplish for the group, um, but also for yourself, and to make sure that you're continuing to move through your goals.
1: Yeah, um, and so with all this work that you've done, and I just wanted to step aside and say, personally, your division has been so amazing and so invaluable to our hospital. So I, again, want to thank the ID department. I only, ID I only hire nice and smart people. Yeah, <laughs> so we actually have an amazing group. I love my group. Yeah, um, but that being said, uh, you know, you've probably encountered a lot of hurdles. These. These years that you've been here. So, how do you how do you stay on track during those hard times, and and what do you you personally use to cope?
2: Yeah. Once again, there are going to be obstacles. There are going to be things you want to accomplish that you will fail to accomplish because sometimes of something you've done, but other times because of things that you have no control over. Um, if you work in a giant academic medical center, right? You know these. These institutions are big rocks that you can't necessarily move by yourself if they've been doing things a certain way. Um, And I think we all, no matter what our job description is, are going to have a great day, and then you're going to have another day where it's not feeling like uh, so great, let's say. Or that you, once again, you feel stuck, you feel like you're hitting a roadblock on something you want to do. So for me, I think there are these busy times when... You know, there's overlapping clinical service and grant deadlines and other stuff. Whatever your responsibilities are, the calendar does not spread evenly uh, just the way that it works. And so sometimes are crazy for, you know, you'll have a few weeks that you're just like going at absolutely top speed. And then it slows down and it doesn't mean you're sitting around with nothing to do, but it becomes more normal. So I think one of the things you want to do is actually recognize when those times come. Because those are the times when you can then be more successful at building in some of the what people call work-life balance, what people call the activities you want to do, whether that's spend time with your family or spend time outside or get more exercise or go on a trip, whatever it might be. Um, You have to recognize when those opportunities are present and and take them because there's always more work to do. Um, but you have to be able to turn it down a little bit uh, during periods where it doesn't have to be at top speed.
0: Like that's like finding the opportunities to learn something, maybe switch gears, um, and uh, and I I I usually tell myself in those opportunities what you know try to hone in on like what is this trying to teach me? What message am I missing? What's where's that silver lining? And look for that message so I can turn it around. Um, and and work through sometimes difficult circumstances, wherever they may be.
2: Yeah, the other thing that I think helps when you're in the midst of stressful times, which we're talking about work here, but could also be layered with life stresses, maybe there's an illness in your extended family or something like that, is to just simplify. And, you know, um, this is a rephrasing of an old proverb, right? But focus on the things you have control over. And simplify a little bit. So, uh, eat a little bit better. Uh, you don't have to get, you know, I don't have to run marathons, but go for a walk, you know, get some exercise, turn off the phone. Um, honestly, when I'm feeling like I have too much on my plate, one of the things I do first is stop reading the news, you know, because you can get sucked into a lot of that stuff and there's a lot of stuff external to you and your sphere that you have no control over. Let's say, as a, a good example, the political climate of the country, right? I can't fix that. And so sometimes I just don't read about it because it doesn't help me to read about it. It just, you know, adds layers of anxiety sometimes to, to what you're trying to accomplish.
0: Yeah. I, th- you know, that that you can think even about during the COVID pandemic, when things were starting and all the different changes that were thrown at us one at a time, and there was one day that everybody was complaining and I was trying to get my work done because I was on inpatient service way at the beginning, and I just said, "Just stop. We can't control this. We can't control that. So let's just focus on the things we can control and just move on. <laughs> yeah. Because it was it was difficult. We you know we can talk and complain all that we can, but we're not going to change that. So let's just focus on the things that we where we can make an impact." Um, So that that it's good advice.
2: Yeah, it just it it, if you simplify, if you focus on a smaller sphere of things and I think influence and affect and have impacts where you can and enable yourself to enjoy those things. Right. If you as you're saying, to use your example, Catherine, I think you're on service. There's all this COVID stuff going on the darn infectious disease doctors can't make up their mind at the beginning of the pandemic, what we should be doing. And you're like, let me just focus on giving good care to these patients today that are in front of me. I'm going to block out the noise and I know I can do this thing right here. I've got a bunch of pulmonary patients here. I'm going to take good care of them today and I'm not going to get caught up in the, all the external stuff that I have no real control over.
0: Yeah. And, um, talking about that article, that we talked about with the physician disenchantment, medicine, and loss of purpose, and, and, and those, that's those sorry of all the reasons we talked about leading to that. Um, what are your thoughts in um, your experience on why we're you know we're feeling so disenchanted?
2: Well, I think it's kind of ironic to think about and 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 try to answer that question because I think in a way. I don't know. I'm pretty blessed. Uh, I get to do a bunch of different things at work, as we've talked about. Um, I think in academic medical centers, it's probably not as crazy hard in some ways as it is in private practice of various kinds. Um, but I think even here, you've got clinical faculty who, because of, once again, systems we can't control, Medicaid, Medicare, third-party payers, et cetera, Clinical faculty are being pressured to, you know, see more patients and have more clinic sessions. And if you're in private practice, that's certainly the case. I mean, how many colleagues do we have in private practice that we all have who tell you they don't feel like they have time to talk to any of the patients anymore because they need to be in and out of the room in 15 minutes and they're typing on Epic the whole time? So I think there are some frustrations there that that. Are probably worse uh, out in the community uh, practices than they are here. Um, The other thing that, once again, I think is a, mm, a shield, I guess, against some of the burnout factor is trying to make it different. And that's, again, where an academic medical center probably has more opportunities for you to do that. A new role to take on, a new committee to be on, a new type of people to hang out with. Whereas, once again, if you're in a Full-time clinical practice out in the community—you're doing, you know, largely the same thing day after day, week after week, and, and year after year—and and watching the external stresses get worse.
1: Yeah. Um, so, regarding the work that we do here in the organiz- in, in WashU and in the academic um, institution that you are in. What do you think we can do as leaders to, to make a change, to help build that purpose besides, you know, not making changes during election years?
2: Yeah, right. So, um, yeah, I think once again, we can't change everything. We all live in the country we live in. We live in the states we live in. Thankfully, there are people, you know, our colleagues who are advocating at, you know, state and federal levels for for big things to change and move but I think what we need to do is, is again, focus on um, a smaller uh, part of the picture, the part that we care the most passionately about, the part that we actually have influence over. You know, if, if Catherine can go to clinic and, or, or the inpatient unit and take good care of patients, then it doesn't matter what's happening in D.C. or in the State House that day. Um, and... If I have one of my faculty members in my office and we're doing some career advising, or I can help them write a better grant or help them with some other stress that they have, you know, those are wins. And we, not only ourselves, but we have to encourage our colleagues and especially the people who are, who are junior to us to, to take those wins and to go home at the end of that day and say, yeah, I did this and I did this, uh, that we're good.
0: Yeah, I um, I, I like that. I I like the idea of focusing on patient care, like putting your patients first and what you like. And like with a lot of things, right? There's a there's things that you can that that you don't like that you may want to change, and and maybe you know you can take some action and start thinking about solutions. But but while while that happens and you move we move towards that, maybe focusing on surrounding yourself with colleagues or friends that, um, that are are helpful, that can, that you can connect with that are not going to drown you, um, but are going to lift you up and that are going to, you know, share those goals that you have to, to, to get better, to do better and to be well, um, mentally and physically and at your job. And things like this wellness podcast, right? <laughs> That's what we're here for, to try to share experiences and um, get some comments. And inevitably, there will be times when things are not going to be good and they're going to be frustrating, sometimes out of our control or our, out of our ability to change them, like we just mentioned. Sometimes we can propose alternative solutions um, and work towards change. But while you're in that in the midst of challenges, in the middle of those challenges, our call to action is for you to ask yourself every time, what is valuable about this experience? How will this situation make me stronger? What will this teach me? What's the lesson? And how can this lead to change?
1: And I would also ask yourself frequently, especially when you're not having a good time, is what is my purpose and what is my purpose of work? Then state it and turn your purpose into affirmations. So an example would be, I am helping a child receive good health care. And another affirmation would be that I'm contributing to the understanding of a disease process or I bring joy, laughter, smiles, and understanding to the people around me. And another vital one is that at the end of the day, I provide for my family and I keep them safe
0: actually views the, the I am helping children receive good health care in clinic when I get there and everybody's complaining and every, somebody's has some issue with the scheduling and there's like a lot of noise and I'm like okay we're here and we're grateful <laughs> because we are here to help people that are, that are going to leave hopefully happy with the care they've received and with the plans that we've made right and we are all in this profession together and sometimes we can help each other but most importantly you can help yourself You can control how you respond to a situation and how you can find meaning that Dr. Hans said that meaning is personal and you're the one in control of finding meaning and continue to find your purpose every day.
1: Yeah. Thanks, Catherine, for sharing with us. We challenge all of you to reflect on your why this month. And as always, please reach out if you need help or if you'd want to share your thoughts. And thanks, Dr. Hansid, for joining us today. It was great talking with you, too. Thanks again for having me on.
0: Thank you for being here. And thank you for anyone listening out there in cyberspace and for taking action in our Out With Burnout movement. See you next time and cheers to our wellness.